When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Psychic Josh is with us finally after some uh, audio problems, looking resplendent in his Soho House style office. You had a haircut, Josh? I have, Boyd. Yes. I would ask you the same question. Whoa! Let's not get baldest at this early stage. No, we won't do that. Um, I I have had a a, a haircut. I don't know if it's a good sign, if it's so obvious when you've had a haircut. It means you've left it too long, I think. No, no, no. That's good. No, you don't think so? No. It it just looks kind of more styled, more, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it it needs doing more regularly. That's my conclusion from the last few days. Maybe. And we're joined by a regular guest, Jim, a.k.a. East Lower, on the Twitter, who tweeted on February 24th, top four is beyond us, top four is beyond us. Yeah, well, hello, hello, by the way. Uh, no, I, I, um, I, I'm, we were sort of labouring at 1-0 down, and I, mm. I, I just thought, you know, I don't think we're scoring enough goals to get top four. So, of course, <laughs> I said it, and then I said, um, but if we score two late goals, you know, I feel, I'll feel like it's justified. And then, uh, sure enough... Um, uh, we scored one, so I said, yeah, top four still be on us. Then we scored another, so hence the... But it was good. I, I almost feel like I made it happen. Boyd, we have to give credit at this juncture yes. to perhaps the greatest ever prediction yeah. ever made in the history of footballistically Arsenal by our guest last week, Nick True. It was incredible. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost single-handedly justified the fact that we do predictions on this podcast, which, which we've been yes. doing ever since day one. Which is, I mean, what did he said? We'll be one nil down. I mean, technically, it went down as an own goal, not a Lacazette goal, which he predicted mm, in the in the injury yeah. time. But it was it was basically the greatest prediction ever seen. Maybe we should only have Nick doing predictions. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll get that could Nick, be a conclusion. Nick's predictions could be a new slot, a new regular slot. Could be a money um, spinner for him as well. Could it? be a money spinner. But yeah, I felt it justified after you know I don't know how many years I've been doing this. Ten years probably at least, maybe maybe more. Um, it justified having the feature where we where we because a lot of people don't like. I think it's stupid to predict um, what's going to happen in a football match. Obviously, it is inherently stupid in many ways. But I feel, as I often say, it's the only feature that separates us out from every other Arsenal podcast. So I don't believe any other Arsenal podcast, and there are loads of them. Obviously, Jim insists on having getting the guests predicting what's going to happen in the next game every single time. And I'm proud of that. And I think that uh, Nick True made the whole thing uh, meaningful. 
Yeah, there, there was a great listener who was keeping track of yes. how everyone was yes. getting on. Is he yes. still in touch with you, boys? Um, no, but I think he only gets in touch once a season to tell us who's winning between you and me in the predictions league. Okay. And but I had we had lo- the other thing about Nick's brilliant prediction was I had loads of we had loads of people tweeting us. Um, saying, oh my God, Nick's prediction was amazing. So it was like, oh, actually, people do listen. Not only do they listen, they listen to they the listen. end. They listen they... to the f- absolute end, the bitter end. Yeah. Anyway, there's lots. Let's let's not wallow in our own whatever um, predictions. Self-congratulations. Self-congratulations. Yeah. There's, we've got the Wolves game to, get, to discuss. So, Jim, just to confirm, you were tweeting that in the middle of the game. The, the, no, I, I was, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I wasn't at the game, unfortunately, so I, I had the luxury of multi-screening mm. uh, from home. Um, but, um, but yeah, it was just one of those things that, you know, I felt yeah. I could say it and it would be vindicated one way or the other. So yeah. it was a safe one. Fair enough. So we'll talk about the game. Um, uh, and there's loads of Arsenal news. There's, um, they, well, today... They had the financial results and the season ticket rise controversy. We'll talk about that. Um, there's um, lots of... There's the, the great, excellent viral ad I want to mention, the um, the chips, the fish and chips ad, featuring David Seaman um, and others. Anything else we need to talk about? Um, anyway, we'll start with... We'll start with my question about Thursday. You were there, presumably, Josh. I was there, yeah. Um how does it rank in the history of great Emirates moments um, for you? I think it ranks pretty highly for me. Yeah, I haven't gone through and done a a full list. Um, immediately, it made me think back to Danny Welbeck's late goal against Leicester, just for mm. the um, lateness of, of a win in, in terms of sort of that same... I think it was 2-1 against Leicester that day, wasn't it, as well? At the time, that was, of course, thinking we might be in a title race, which is more exciting. So um, I'm not sure it quite matches that. Um, and also, I didn't realise until I saw afterwards that Wolves, I think, had had not lost a game they had led in. Since, yeah. I think, that, was it 2017? Like a run of 45 yeah. um, games or something extraordinary. So um, I think that sort of shows how much, uh, how impressive it was. Um, it, it's up there, isn't it? Is it top ten? Top ten Emirates kind of late no, winners? Maybe, maybe that's overdoing top... it. I no, don't know. No, no, no. I think it's top ten, definitely. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to scientifically just the other nine, but, but is it like it's only Wolves and I know so we're but... ultimately only in a top four race? And does that I mean, only it? only top four race? I mean, this is no. But compared to like Leicester and you yeah. know when it was like we had dreams of winning a title, mm. which seems a those dreams are off for a minute. Jim, presumably, so you, Jim, you were watching it on the Amazon Prime, presumably. Yes, I was. Yeah, yeah. I watched it back. I watched it back when I got home on on Amazon Prime. I looked. I thought their coverage. I thought Jim Rosenthal, who is not on our TV enough, um, was great from what I saw. And I, I also saw he interviewed um, Arteta before the game, like a kind, which was really good. I thought. And then again after the game, they all chipped in. Lee Dixon was there, wasn't he? And who was the? I can't remember who the other. Um, it was but generally that whole thing live interview with Arteta after the game I just thought Jim, it really struck me that Jim Rosenthal was doing really well but you watching it on your TV set on Amazon Prime did you think oh we're never going to score reflecting your tweeting or did or did you think um you know were you kind of fairly fairly positive about how it was going no, well I thought we were playing 
quite well to be honest but mm. um but yeah I, I i did think it might be one of those games where we didn't you know we weren't going to score and i sort of slightly had a my slightly bigger worry which i've had for a little while is we just don't have enough firepower uh yeah. for, you know, to, to make to, to keep it going till the end i'm probably not the only person to slightly worry about that um but yeah i'm gu- i mean obviously i'm uh, i'm gutted i wasn't there because the, like you say a, um a kind of final winner doesn't matter who it's against to be honest is is incredibly memorable you know all uh, coming back from from being behind is just a, a, a superb feeling so yeah all the all the people that were, were there that i know just you know were absolutely on in seventh heaven afterwards mm. jim jim rosenthal asked um after asked arteta after the game i thought it was a good question would you rather have scored early and won like two or three nil or actually is it better to have done what we did and go one nil down and then come back and score the winning goal in the 95th minute and i was and arteta said oh it was much better to to do it how we did it which i was slightly surprised about i think some managers would go for the kind of slightly boring answer of oh yeah you know you want to control the game and win it from the from the off but no Arteta was like no this this is a big you know psychological triumph for the team it was a big moment for and I agree with him I think actually ended up with such a beautiful you know narrative um because not not helped no 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 end by their time wasting yes so because of their time wasting including that extraordinary um substitution situation which was difficult to tell whether it was deliberate or just a cock-up or whatever but went on seemed to go on for at least six minutes in itself but those six minutes ended up being enabling us to win the game yeah it i think it was i think it was accidental i think didn't he apologize for it afterwards larger for some yeah fusion going on there um but yeah, no, it's it it, it, it made it. I, I don't know. I, I think it's a classic hindsight question that because I think if you'd asked him, it's sort of fifty-five minutes, he'd have said, "I wish we'd scored early." Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right about the psychological factor. It's it, it's you know I think he's trying to foster on it. I think it's working. A bit of a backs to the wall mentality, you know, classic George Graham type thing. And um, and I think it's I think it's working by and large. Um, and there's been a few things that, you know that. That have helped, and, and I think that's an absolute classic for you know bonding, and and I think the squad is bonding. That is one of the really huge positives for me of this season is how together they are, not just amongst themselves, but with the fans. So I think, I think, uh, I think you know, in hindsight, you couldn't have asked for a better way for it to have have happened. Mm. The celebrations, Josh, were spectacular, weren't they? Um, I think the uh, youth call it limbs. <laughs> limbs. In, uh, yeah, in these well, times. they do. Were there limbs in club level? They were limbs in club level. Can I just say, it was slightly marred, right? <laughs> slightly. Dan Baldwin came with me. It was supposed to be a double Baldwin brother evening um, because Dermot was away, um, who we you sit with, and Dan... So Dan Baldwin came along, and Dom Baldwin, um, the, his brother, uh, was came along as well, but didn't get in. So Dom, Dom was faced by the, 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 the ultimate example of the Arsenal electronic ticket situation that is an absolute nightmare as anyone everyone knows who's tried to use it everyone's had, had stories of text 15 they just wouldn't let him in he he down you know he downloaded the ticket to his phone and blah 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 and so he had came all the way and literally had to go home tail between his legs missed one of the great live Arsenal watching experiences of the last 10 20 years or whatever since we've all had season tickets together 
and it was a disaster. So it was marred by that. And then Dan, I have to say, and if he's if he's listening, he will he will acknowledge this. When that second goal went in, Dan thought it was offside, right? He was like, surely that's offside. And I'm like, I don't think it is. And, and so we like out, out we'd obviously we'd already gone through various VAR situations in that game and i do think it's it's it, var is to blame more than dan var absolutely ruins celebrations doesn't it because even though you go crazy you're still part of you is still like oh it's var gonna disallow it any second now so you kind of slightly temper it now i don't think the majority of the sixty thousand crowd did temper it but I but I did a bit because Dan was bellowing in my ear. It's offside. It's surely offside. And I'm like, well, that is going to impact your celebration, isn't yeah. it? If you've got a guy who you're trying to jump and celebrate with, yeah. he's shouting at you that it's that it's not. I mean, that was right in our corner of of the stadium, so we had a good view on it. So, yeah, I was absolutely uh, ecstatic. Really, I had an interesting VAR moment yesterday. I was was at the Carabao Cup final, work related, and I was surrounded by Liverpool fans mainly, even and then the sort of middle club Wembley area that I was in. And when Matip scored, I mean that game was crazy for the amount of goals that were going in and being disallowed. But when Matip scored, and the Liverpool fans went ballistic, as in goal flares, everything, then you couldn't. There was almost an arrogance that oh no, it's clearly not offside. And then I could hear people around me go, it's all right, we get to celebrate again. And I was like, mm, mm, no. not sure about this. Uh, yeah. Well, one, one obvious problem with potentially not celebrating again, but also just the uh, just the, the moment it is not is not what it was. But most people don't have Dan Baldwin seeing offsides from 80 yards next Yeah, time. Yeah. And by the way, we had a really good view of it. I mean, it's not like, you know, we, 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 it was right by our bit as well. So I don't know why yeah. we, we should have. And it, of course, it was ended up being an own goal anyway. Didn't it? It's really so. Yeah, it was yeah. a bit like, how did that just happen? We, yeah. it, you know, it took it took a, a moment to sort of um, adjust, and it was a weird. It was a weird goal in the I way it went in. Harsh but... being, uh, being an own goal, that was a bit harsh. It was a bit. No, it, it, it was definitely. Goal. It was definitely Lacazette deserves a lot of credit. I know yeah. what you mean, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of times, you know, I, I mean, a goal he won't. You know, even if it sort of goes off him, it's still a striker's goal, but. Um, Obviously, it's the kind of percentage it goes off the keeper, but I thought it was a little bit tough on him, especially because yeah. he hasn't scored for ages. Mind you, he, he celebrated like it, like it was all oh, fine. He, I mean, there's no denying that he, without him doing what he did, you know, it wouldn't. We would not have scored that goal. So that goal would not have been scored, albeit, yeah, strictly, strictly speaking, a known goal. But he was the one who got the ball, did what he did, drove it in, you know, and then it did hit come come off the keeper. But you know. It's, he totally takes the credit. And so I, his celebration was the celebration of a man not only scoring in the 95th minute, but after a long time not scoring and a man who's only scored, you know, what a handful of goals this season, but is absolutely key now to the team, isn't he, Josh? Because even though it was a classic example, actually, of, of a Lacazette performance where, you know, in the end he did score, but even if he hadn't, he played really well. And the whole team seems to play better with him there one way or another. Yeah, and there was a, a moment that summed it all up, I think, when he was effectively back in the fullback area so yes. late on in the game, tackling back, won the ball, you know, set set the example, right, of, of the attitude and, and determination. Um, and look, we, we need an experienced figurehead at the moment to lead by example. It's a strange one thinking that he's almost certainly only got a dozen games left for Arsenal, despite everything he's contributed over a number of years. It seems inevitable that he is going to move on. But I if don't he's agree. In this... I don't. Agree. I don't think he will move on. I don't mm. agree. I think they'll. I well, think when I these think... things don't happen by this point, no, it, it usually signals Josh, Josh, sun direction. 
I remind you, this happens every year with Lacazette. It's happened for it's happened multiple times that we get to this front season. Everyone goes, "Oh, he's about to go." The do you think I, Boyd though? Yeah, it, 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 I mean, we, we'll, we'll wait and see. But is there a bit of you going, "We do need better than Lacazette"? Oh no, no, no! Don't get me wrong. We need to sign a striker. We need to sign a world class scorer of goals. But equally, if we sell, if we if Lacazette leaves, we need to effectively have two world class. Two strikers. But I think. I think we do need to. I think yeah. he's gone. I think he's gone. I really I'll bet do. you both. I'll bet you both now. I've got various bets going on at the moment. Yeah. I bet. I bet Mark Kermode that um, that uh, the power of the dog would win best picture of the Oscars. He thinks he's going to be Belfast. And I will bet both of you um, ten, twenty pounds that Lacazette is given a new contract of some kind, or certainly does not go. Stays at the club. Um, for the next season. I'll take that, Boyd. I just think it has been burnt so many times in recent years by giving people big contracts at a certain age and we've well, had to big. pay two of them off. Yeah, but he won't take... The thing is, he's, what, he's 30, right? He could get a two-year contract somewhere on with money. And so, you know, why would he stay? Even if we wanted him to. Because I think, I think Arteta loves him, absolutely loves him. I mean, I think most managers, may, and many managers would have let him go, you know, earlier in the season, the beginning of the season, in the, in the transfer window. I think he's, I think, I think, it, I think he loves Arsenal, Lacazette. I think, um, I think everyone's aware that the team plays really well when he plays, and even if he's not scoring goals and all of that. And I, and I also think it puts, it, it, it gives us less pressure and I know he's 30, but actually he, don't, he never looks like he's incredible. I know he, he kind of gets gets very sweaty and he looks like he's a bit exhausted, but he's played 90 minutes quite a lot in recent times. Two, I think two games in a row, you know, still on the pitch at the end of the game. I just think everyone loves him at the club. Um, and I think when that happens, that and what's he going to get? Does he really want to go to somewhere else for a couple of years? Maybe not you know, probably not get good games as much as he would ask. So he'd still play a lot. Even if we signed a striker, he'd still get a lot of games with us. I think that, especially if we're in Europe, which, we, we, which you know, hopefully we will be, not as, even even if we're not in the Champions League. I, right, I'm definitely going to bet both of you. That's fine. No, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to bet. I just feel, I feel like he's gone and he's not scoring enough goals to justify it either. Even though he does a lot, don't get me wrong. I mm. rate him. He works mm. bloody hard and I really love that about him, but mm. he doesn't score enough. I agree he doesn't score enough. I still think, and, and you know, yeah, I still think he does enough. Talking of talking of players who don't score enough, Eddie coming on, the, the substitutions, it, it, this was like a game where Arteta, every, sometimes like if we go back, I don't know, you know, like a couple of months and there were certain games where every decision Arteta made, including the substitutions, seemed wrong, right? And it, you'd think, you'd come away with it thinking, oh my God, the whole thing's a fucking disaster. He doesn't know what he's doing. It felt like every single decision he made in this game went rail for him, didn't it, Josh? Like, even 100%. Eddie's best cameo. Best Eddie's cameo best we've cameo. seen off the bench. And, you you know, he's taken some criticism from pretty much all sections of the um, Arsenal fan base on, on whether he's up to it. Um, I'm trying to think who it was on um, on social media who, who was effectively saying, I think it was Alan Smith, who was saying, well, this is the standard now. You know, he, he showed what he can do. This has absolutely got to be the, the standard from here on in until the uh, end of you know, end of a season, certainly. And Pepe, Arteta had said it publicly since he came back from AFCON that he seemed a slightly different, rejuvenated and happier person. And we saw, you know, we saw a, a, a great contribution from him off the bench. It wasn't easy the way he took his, bo- he took his goal, had to think 
carefully how he got himself, how he turned his body, and he, he took it really well. Brilliant. You and know now, what the word is? You know what the word is? Technique. Brilliant technique. He had brilliant technique. Okay. And now, even if he doesn't start games, he's probably the first one you, you turn to. And, you know, he's going to have an important role from now until the end of the season. So, yeah, absolute credit to both of them. I mean, we're going to need both of them for, you know, this, this period. So, you know, hopefully we see uh, this level um, onwards. Pepe came on, Jim, and, I, and, I, and I, there was a... Uh, there was a he, he made very positive substitutions. I mean, in terms of you know taking off, he took off Cedric, didn't he? And um, I have to say, Dan and I, and I think that we were like, hold on a minute, is Pepe playing right back? You know, it was, it was like, and there was a moment when it felt like disaster was going to happen when they felt like they that suddenly Wolves had realized that Pepe was in the right back position, they may decide to to test out his his defensive powers, but he got away with it, and you know, he scored a great goal, and it was all fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something you don't really expect a lot from Arteta to kind of do the whole thing, um, just um, shove on Canu and Wiltord and, and, and hope the best. But um, it did work. And, um, I, you know, Josh, you mentioned the word limbs earlier. What I love about Pepe is he just never seems to be quite in control of his limbs. And um, and we don't have very many players that sort of freestyle like that. And, and um, you know, and that goal I don't think could have been scored by anyone else in the squad. So fair play to him. I mean, I know Arteta's been talking him up. Not enough to start him. So at the moment, at any rate. So I, again, you, you, it's quite interesting in a way because talking about Nketiah and Lacazette and Pepe, n- none of those quite possibly would be here next year. Um, but you know, I, 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 Pepe can't get a, a start. Then of course he's he's not going to want to stay. But he's do, he, he's definitely got a contribution to make, and and he is a wild card, a complete wild card in, in a team that we don't really have an awful lot of them. It's unfortunate, isn't it, for Pepe in that he's got. Martinelli, Saka, um, Smith Rowe, kind of ahead of him, isn't he, in the pecking order now? And you wouldn't really, you can't really argue with that, can you, Josh? You can't, like, you know, you can't say he should be starting ahead of any of those players because we've just got a lot of really good wide forwards, haven't we? Who we do, but I don't think it's impossible that he comes in for Martinelli at, at some point in the in the last couple of months. I think Arteta has shown he's willing to to make changes, you know, Smith Rowe has had a period out of the team, um, you know, Simar's only come in. I don't think it's impossible that Pepe is going to start some of the games in the next, you know, uh, in the, in the upcoming period. So it's, it, I don't know. I am just pleased that we've got options because you look at it and you go, well, Martinelli has, has shown his potential again. Smith Rowe has shown his potential. Pepe has shown his potential, you know, Saka. Okay. Has, has looked tired at points, but it's still, you know, got the X factor. I think most people will look at it and go, Odegaard has has increasingly had a more important role in the team. So to have all of those going in your favour going into this stage of the season into March is a, you know, is is sitting well. And it's not a coincidence that we've put ourselves in the driving position for four. Yeah, we'll talk more about our um, league position and any other issues of the game and all the other issues we've got to talk about after this quick break. And we're back from the break. Um, 
Did you, in, in the celebration, I just wanted to, oh, that's why I wanted to mention the, the firework. A firework went off. It was like it was like magical. Did you see the firework, Josh? No. It was yeah. It was. Um, I don't know if they showed it on TV, Jim, but it was like it was like magic. Someone <laughs> lived near near the ground, and it was like not a little firework. It was like a big, like elaborate, lovely firework. It was like I was like I was on drugs as I was on high, and I imagined it. But you know, it's like a movie where you know the couple kiss at the end, and there's fireworks suddenly go off in the background. We scored an amazing goal. The whole team celebrated together, and the firework went off. It was fucking incredible. Did they show that, Jim? The firework? Well, they might have done. I didn't see it because I had my two my two boys were there were there were some hashtag scenes going on in our sitting room so uh, <laughs> there was quite a lot of hugging and and, sh- and shouting so we sort of missed the immediate aftermath but um yeah i didn't see it fair enough fair enough now go on josh no i, I didn't i didn't spot the firework was this uh which side of the stadium was this coming from um Paul? well i'm on the um it must be on the, uh, above the west side basically yeah because i'm on right. the east side roughly yeah so it was like west stand above the west stand um, I'm wondering how long it was prepared for. You, how soon after the goal was it? Right, really instant. It was. It was. Extraordinary. Is there any chance it was coincidence? Do they? No, no, absolutely not. So was, someone had a firework someone had a ready. Fucking firework ready. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They um, must have been delighted there was oh, a goal. What a waste of their imagine? time and effort. Yeah. If there was no goal. Yeah. One. One. I'm sure. One. A woman. And I was trying to find um, her message to me on Twitter after the last Arsenal game. I think after this game, in fact, said, "Oh, she lived right near the ground. I should have come around for tea before." I was like, "Yeah, fact time." She was like, in, "I live in the flats, kind of like I took a photo of the flats from, from the walk up." from um, Highbury Grove or whatever. And she's like, lives right there. But I don't think it was her. She didn't, she didn't volunteer that it was her that loved the fire. But it was, it was, if anyone, if it was quite spectacular. Um, do we now think, I mean, the fucking project now, right? I mean, I, you know, I was, I was having a, 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 a joke at, 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 about Jim's tweeting, but as Joshua will remind everyone, I have been, you know, we've all had moments, haven't we, where we've doubted, doubted Arteta and there's a guy on Twitter again I'm not going to name him but there's a guy on Twitter who keeps tweeting me whenever time after it you must be happy you, you, you you're sorry he thinks that I'm happy when we lose or not I mean he's obviously a complete idiot but because obviously when you when your team plays badly as we have done at various times under, under Arteta and when the when you sign players like William and it all goes horribly wrong we have had times where it's been valid to say Arteta out I think but now I am almost entirely won over, Jim, and I do feel like I'm now believing in the project, which he actually does keep saying. He mentioned in the program, in his last couple of um, programs. It, it, there's some, I think the work, something's turned, something's changed in the last couple of weeks. Which uh, looks, yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I totally agree. What one thing I'm always hesitant to do because you know, if if you live on social media and and which we will do to a lesser or greater degree, it's 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 very. Um, you know, people's opinions change with every passing hour. Uh, and it's quite easy to get dragged along by that, I think. So I'm always try, you know, trying to be a bit more hesitant about it. But I totally have had my doubts about him, as we all have. There have been some moments when it's been appalling. Um, but at the moment, I think you're right. There's something is beginning to click. I think the players we bought in the summer have been a massive factor in that. Not just the way they play, but their character. Um, and, you know, and I think it's a sort of leaner squad. Um, some of the players long documented who we probably needed to get rid of we have got rid of and so it feels like something's building um and it's exciting to watch and you can really buy into these players they're they're very easy to like i think all of them all the ones we Mm. we haven't got very many left in our squad who you wouldn't want there i don't think from a personality point of view so yeah i i think something's building and um and i think it's quite exciting it makes it really exciting it's making me want to go back and watch 
you know, go to the games, <laughs> although I wasn't there on Thursday, but that was a different thing. But it make, it's making me want to go back much more probably than I have for the last two or three years, if I'm, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm much more excited about it than um, than, than I have been. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Like, you know, great to see how it develops. Yeah, the atmosphere is very positive, isn't it, Josh? Now, I, I think it's great. Know. I think it's, it's yeah, it's definitely as good as it's been in in several years. And Jim nailed it. it it's the likability um, of this team, people getting behind the project. I don't think there's really. I mean, okay, Xhaka maybe divides opinion, but there's not too many players on the pitch that divide too much opinion now. Everyone loves. The goalkeeper, okay, Tommy Yasu's been out, but he's popular. Wayne Gabriel, I think people are fairly settled on. There isn't that. Um, I think probably we've sat and done this podcast for what, seven, eight years together, boys. And you've spoken about, I saw the team sheet and I was like, what the F is going on here? And for, for years, it felt like that. There just hasn't been this kind of unity of, of, of feeling it. And, and that's kind of gone. And that's quite nice. And it's a bit in part, I guess, to the fact we've got a pretty slim line squad but then we have to credit Arteta with being bold and brave with that and of believing that this group of players um, are going to see at home and sort of mentioned how we were favourites for the top four uh, ahead of the sort of fixtures last week obviously a couple of other results have, have gone our way we're now odds on to be top four I mean we are we are in the driving seat and yeah we've got some, uh, oh, some exciting exciting yeah. couple of months ahead that's I don't know you things like that, Josh. That's no. just that's a jinx. Jinxing mode. Um, yeah, big well, jinx. It's interesting. You, right, would ra- you would rather be odds on and favourites than... I you don't know. Nick, Nick, Nick True did say at, the po- at one point on the podcast last week, he fancied Wolves, didn't he? Even though he predicted Arsenal to beat Wolves, he still said he yeah, thought he Wolves might be top four, which now yeah. would be... An in- no. Well, I don't want to doubt him on any level of prediction, but frankly, I'd, I'd be surprised if uh, if Wolves did turn this around. One other thing which I think is interesting about the, being at the ground this season is I don't think I have sat down once this whole season. And that's very unusual. It's certainly in the first sort of 15 years or 10 years of the stadium, we were told to sit down and we mostly did, I think. But, but this season, I don't know whether it's a post-lockdown thing or whether it's because the team's more exciting, but people just are not sitting down in the lower tier anymore. And it's quite fascinating. I mean, it's, it, it's, it, it, it probably isn't happening in club level, but what's it like where you are, Josh? 100% standing. I mean, I am in the back row, so I always stand. And it's one of the things that I love most about being in the back row that you don't have to worry about anyone behind you. But totally, people are standing and there doesn't seem to be the level of fixation from the stewards on getting people to sit down in a way that there has definitely been over certain years. This, this, I'm not having a go, but I mean, it doesn't happen in the upper tier either. It's not just a, a club level thing. But even the atmosphere in club level is better, right, boy? Even the, the atmosphere in club level is no, but it's harder. I know. I I'm joking. Narrower. I'm joking. You don't get the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're in the front row of, of of club level, so we if we stood, we shouldn't. We we don't stand to our games. That would be antisocial, frankly, on the on the people behind us. But and, and you know, we literally we don't need to. Um, but the atmosphere, yeah, I think the, the atmosphere in in club level um, is, is as good as every other part of the ground generally. So when the atmosphere is bad, the atmosphere is bad in club level, the atmosphere is good, the atmosphere is good at club level. Club level, as Dermot often makes the point when we, when we go, is, is no different to any other bit apart from it's just more expensive. And we should say, of course, now, today, talking of more expensive, that all of us, Jim, when you do go back to the ground now, you will have to pay more money, 4% more as of next season, 
Now, the extraordinary thing about this, a couple of things. First of all, this was like um, mentioned, I think, at the fan forum, wasn't it? Um, but everyone was sworn to secrecy and they couldn't they couldn't um, say it. Um, but then it was all revealed officially today. Um, but I think I read somewhere, uh, it may have been AST, I suppose it's just, it's only going to generate 3.8 million extra. Yeah. It seems a complete fucking waste of time. It does, it's 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 one of those things I've been expecting it for ages because it's been held for I think they said eight years has been the last time there was a general right. And of course we all know that we lost hundred million. The pandemic absolutely lacerated our revenue, and also you know inflation just more widely. In we're all you know, everything, everything's going up. So you know I kind of thought it might happen, but I I, I read the same thing. Boy, I, I think I even read it might have been a bit less than that. But really, given the context of it, it would have been, it's not unaffordable for them not to have done it. And especially also, if you look at what we've done by getting rid of players rather than selling them, paying them off we have, and, and getting no fees for some of the players we get rid of. And it feels like a, you know, if we'd managed our, our player sales a bit better than we, then, you know, it wouldn't have mattered. So I, I think whichever way they did, it wasn't, it was, it would have looked bad, but I think it just didn't really need to happen is, is my overall feeling. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, you mentioned inflation, eight years. There is a feeling that when when do they do this if they, you know, if they don't do it now, even though the impact of 3.8 million across a club. And you can also throw into that argument, well, the broadcasting deals are only going in, in one direction. The income to the club is going in one direction. But then again, it's a bit like why sometimes we're all on like marketing emails for new club partners, and some of those partners won't be paying more than the three point eight million that you know they're getting in. So in a way, you know, it's, it's part of uh, I guess the longer term view that they they have to find money in all corners of the in all corners of a club that they can. I, I think we probably all feel similarly. None of us want to be paying more for our for our tickets. The way they have PR'd it, I think, makes sense. And we have to give a bit of credit for Boyd what they're doing with the with the younger fans. I don't know if you'd seen uh, the couple of lines about what were going to happen with um, I think it was seventeen and and eighteen year olds who already get the discount in the family closure. They can now sit anywhere in the stadium. And I think that's quite nice. I think back to when I was coming up to age and having my Cannon Club membership 15, 16 years ago, you kind of felt like at 17, 18, oh, I'm with all the like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year olds. I want to go and sit with like, you know, the, the rest of the stadium. And I think that's mm. important. I think that's a good thing about sort of integration into the stadium. And so too for uh, the 19 to 21 year olds who are now going to get 25% off tickets around the stadium and, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that's not like sometimes you see about people like in full time education or things like it shouldn't be about that. You know, people starting jobs at 19 are going to be lower paid and and therefore there should be a, a gesture towards them. So I, I think we should a, a, applaud the club, at least for listening to what I think has been very strongly pushed by AST, that if the club were going to do this, then do something for the younger fan base. So I think for, for those that are, you know, 17, 18, they've had a result, they can sit anywhere in the stadium, which is, you know, a bonus, particularly as the pricing all the way around the lower tier is, is pretty much the same. And for the 19 to 25 year olds who that jump from family enclosure pricing to regular pricing is, is really significant that at least there's a 25% discount for them. It is. It is true. I couldn't agree more. That that needs to you know to be applauded. And and actually, I think my my eldest who's sixteen. He goes in the junior gun. It is very good value. You know, it's ten quid for a category 
B or and it's 20 quid for a category A, it's, it's good price. Yeah, um, I, I so, salute that as well. Yeah, all, all I'd say, I, I think the thing for me about the ticket price, we're already paying the highest price tickets, aren't we? Aren't we in the country? Yeah, you know, I mean, and I think it is that you know, when you're getting double that from NBC, you know, to show our games and um, when the wage bill is 244 million or whatever, I, I just, it just seems like a, such a, such a kind of, it's hard, isn't it? When you, when you think that boils down to every single one of us yeah, paying that 4% boils down to literally yeah. the 12 weeks of Aubameyang's wages that we right. yeah, didn't that's get what, any value of. That's, seems, a, that's when it's horrible. Did they to really think need to do it. You know, no, I don't think they did. I no. think they could have found the money somewhere else. And that's where, that's where, that's where it's, it's a little bit grating. Yeah, I've just seen on um, Twitter, by the way, AFC stuff have, have, have tweeted leaked images of items in the Arsenal-Stella McCartney collaboration. The first ever collection for a football team by Stella McCartney to be launched soon this year. Um, I mean, got, they'll probably make that amount of money out of that. And then uh, I'm just going to describe, it's kind of like almost like a tiger print meets Arsenal red and blue. It's quite interesting. I think, yeah, people will be... Well, are, you, uh, are you trying to look at it to see when you can pre-order? <laughs> um, no, I'm fine, thanks. Um, oh, I am looking at it now. Yeah. Leaked images of items in the Arsenal Stella McCartney's collection, the first ever collection of football team by Stella McCartney. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm cool enough to put it off. You can, boys. You could pull you this think, off. You think? Yeah, thanks. Maybe actually the hoodie is quite good. I quite like the hoodie now that I come to look at it, which is like there's a kind of blue and white um, look. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, we should also, but we, while we're talking about this kind of stuff, the the video, the the fish and chip shop video, viral video they put out last week, um, was fantastic, though, wasn't it? And that was like, um, and I know these things. You could say these things are, don't matter that much, but I think they kind of do in a way. And that Ramsdale was great. I think it just fosters community spirit, doesn't it? And apparently, the actual real fish and chip shop that they featured in that is part of a series, isn't it, where they highlight local businesses. Yeah. Apparently, business at that fish and chip shop, unsurprisingly, has got massive, has shot out massively. I think that's a lovely thing, Jim. I think it's, I think it's absolutely, it's exactly what a football club should be doing: is supporting uh, the local community in lots of different ways and having a bit of fun, also. Uh, and you know, the, the video itself was great, um, the, the ad was great, and I, I, yeah, I saw someone tweet a picture of the queue outside the, yeah, other fish barn, and it was snaking around the corner. So I, I just think it's a great thing to do, and it reminds you that a football club, you know. Is is just um, is an extension of the community, really. So mm. brilliant, yeah. Particularly at this moment, while Chelsea, you know, Chelsea are um, putting out ludicrous statements trying to whitewash their involvement with um, Russian oligarchs, shall we say, Josh, and um, other clubs are run by. I mean, I, I tweeted when the whole Chelsea story broke that that state ludicrous statement um, that uh, that the owner was going to pass on the running of the club whatever it was to the charitable trust that, you know, we're lucky. We've just got a mildly kind of right wing billionaire who absent owner. It does. It does. I did, but you genuinely feel like, I mean, these things are a lottery. None of us have any say in who, who owns our club, of course, but I do feel like they're, thank God we're run by, we're owned by this, these, this family rather than some fucking Russian dodgy oligarch figure or, you know, Usmanov, of course, is he's, he was, I saw him listed today, Josh in a list of um, oligarchs who are going to be possibly targeted by the government. So we're kind of all, we're kind of lucky from that point of view, aren't we? That we've got the Cronkers in charge. You don't have to. Comment. Yeah, I, I, well, I, well, I wasn't expecting this to go in, in, <laughs> in this direction. Um, well, the one confident. thing that's for sure is we have absolutely no say, do we? I mean, no. 
you know, whether and every club pretty much in the Premier League now does have, you know, that, that level of, of, of foreign investment, whether that's American, whether it's, um, you know, Saudi, Saudi Arabia, Russian, you know, even even little Burnley, uh, to be respectful of, you know, have come under foreign foreign ownership in the last couple of years as well. So, yeah, we definitely don't have any say on it. I think the statement that, you know, what can you say? It, it, one of the most carefully worded presumably has gone through some very highly paid lawyers to work out how exactly to position the statement and quite what is going on with the ownership of, of Chelsea is presumably only known by a small amount of people and is presumably done for the best interest of the owner and possibly for the, for the football club, technically, I, I guess as well. So yeah, it was um, an interesting one, but it, it's been, I mean, I saw FIFA in the last couple of hours have, have finally come out and said that, you know, there won't be Russian teams involved in, yeah. Um, yeah. in football while, while, while the sort of conflict, uh, Continues. I mean, there been some amazing moments. Sort of at football. I mean, at Wembley yesterday, we we saw the whole stadium be united in it. The moment with Yarmolenko, um, um, was not not Yarmolenko, Zinchenko. Sorry, and Mikolenko at Everton on on the game on Saturday night. So, yeah, and, and look, I mean, even I don't know if you saw Oleg Luzny be yes. uh, be mentioned by Sky, yes. by Sky Sports um, as well. Yeah, and but- I think almost it needs the Shevchenko's. Klitschko, because quite frankly, if you asked everyone in the country to name a Ukrainian, these are the people you think of. So to sort of see, obviously, Klitschko has, has got a political role and is going to be out there, but even just making it a bit more real by hearing that Oleg Luzhny is putting his life on hold to support the U- Ukrainian fight at the moment gives it a bit of a, you know, just mm. a, a stark humbling reality it does make it all feel very trivial doesn't it in some way sometimes there are moments yeah. we think you know we, we all love we all love it and uh we love to talk about it and we incredibly passionate about it but you know you, you get the things get sort of put in a different light uh when 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 something as catastrophic as this is going on elsewhere mm. it did make me feel i did genuinely feel kind of i mean in 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 a in a simplistic and trivial way that thank god we didn't let Osmanov get Osmanov taking over the club because there was a time when it seemed to be it was Manov versus Kroenke, wasn't it, for the, yeah. for the kind of, um, to buy the club. Um, and I'm not being anti-Russian, I'm being anti-oligarch when I say, you know, I think it's, thank thank fuck, Usmanov didn't take it over in the end. That would have been horrendous. Um, as it is, we've now got a horrendous, a slightly annoying gap, haven't we, before we play now? Playing on Sunday, aren't we? Well, it's not the biggest gap. I mean, ten days. Thursday yeah. we had we had Wolves. Thursday night. I'm I'm looking forward to. I'm going to Vicarage Road. Good. Um, the shortest of all away trips. I think I have to make from my my house. So uh, particularly pleased with that. And I mean, Watford getting that point at Man United. You have to give them a bit of credit because they they have looked vulnerable under most of Ranieri's, um, you know, reign in charge. And obviously they got Hodgson in now, feeling a little bit more perhaps defensively stable, but ultimately we're playing a team second bottom and, you know, we have got another huge opportunity to put a stamp on fourth. And I, I think we will. It's interesting before we, before we actually get our official um, predictions done that it's interesting, Jim, isn't it? How bad, I mean, I keep, I'm keep waiting for the, I know Man United are above us, but we have got three games in hand, Um, but they're only two points above us and they keep, I mean, they still keep, 
fucking up, don't they? They still keep not winning these games, which is kind of incredible. West Ham won at the weekend, but they're they're kind of looking a bit knackered. Tottenham played brilliantly one game and terribly the next. And I know you don't want to, I don't want to I don't want to jinx it, but I'm starting to think it's definitely going to go to the wire, isn't it? And why shouldn't we? You know, we, I think we've got. As, uh, Josh mentioned the betting, but forget the betting. I just think we've got clearly got as much chance as any of them of coming forth. I think we definitely have as we, we're in the mix and we have a very good chance. And actually, if you look at our form, we're, obviously we lost a man city at the beginning of the year, but uh, our form is is pretty good, and we don't seem to be having the sort of Jekyll and Hyde performances that you know I think Spurs are, like you say, going from one extreme to the other, and Man United. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, they should be scoring a lot more goals than they are. So we do have a good chance. Uh, we've got a, we've got some tough games though. If they haven't even reorganised uh, Chelsea or Spurs away, have they? So you know, no. Th- those are huge games. And um, was it Lee Dixon? I think said, you know, we shouldn't be looking at uh, fourth. Yeah, looking at Chelsea. And you know, look, I'm not the kind of bloke that wants to get that far ahead of things. But it's it, it's fun to watch us. I, I like you say, it's going to be close. But yeah, I like that point from Lee Dixon. I mean, what he was saying was that in the dressing room, you want to you want to tell them to go for that because yeah, we are we're five points behind Chelsea with a game in hand. So you know, yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, we've got to think big. <laughs> we've got to think big. Um, let us go to though the uh, much loved prediction section of the podcast um, in honor of Nick True. What do we think is going to happen in this Watford two o'clock Sunday fixture? Josh. I think Arsenal will win 2-0 in this game. It might might take until the second half. I don't know how precise we should be to try and match Nick True. I mm. think it's impossible given that he, he, he nailed score. it. But yeah. I'll, I'll say Pepe. And how about Eddie and Ketia getting the seconds? Maybe uh, maybe very late on an Eddie and Ketia cameo goal that really endears him further to, to the Arsenal fan base. Pepe's going to play from the start, you think? No, I'm not sure oh, they okay. will. Maybe, okay. I think maybe it'll be a couple of changes and they both have a, another impact off the bench. So I'm excited for I'm excited for it, looking forward to it, and 2-0 to Arsenal. What do you think, Jim? I think uh, I'm normally pretty cautious about this, but I think we will win. I'm confident that we have enough to, you know, that we that we'll win. We're playing very well. Um, I I don't. Yeah, I know they just drew nil nil, but they also got walloped at home the week before. So I'm I'm going to go for two um, one Arsenal. What do you think, Boyd? Um, I think I'm going to go three one Arsenal. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, mean, I think Emil Smith Rowe will he be? He was only ill, wasn't he? Um, it wasn't an. It wasn't a kind of. Um, it wasn't an. Was injury. it COVID? No, it was non-COVID illness. Non-COVID. Yeah. No. So um, presumably he'll be back, and it's just a really bad uh, illness. Considering we played really well, you know, without him, and I think we always played better with him. So I'm hoping he will start. Um, so I think he'll score. Yeah, I think we'll win three nil. And Tommy Yasu, any news on Tommy Yasu? He seems to have... three one. So, do, do, have you gone to three nil now? Oh no, three one. Sorry, three one, three one. Oh. Yeah, three one. I'm sticking with three one. Yeah, good point. Well, well mentioned. <laughs> um, uh, it's interesting that that guy, the guy who slagged off Tommy Yasu, I meant to mention this earlier. That Cave guy at Sky, Cave, what's his name? Josh, you'll know. 
it begins with S. I, yeah, I do Sol, know it, it, Sol, exactly Sol, yeah. um, who e, you mean. I mean, it's it, 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 Sol That's it. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, that was that was a clip. I don't want to have a go, but he, yeah, he was the one who... He reminded. I, I, I almost feel like maybe he didn't intend it exactly I as know. it came across that he was sort of reading out messages and didn't have time to process what he was um, reading out did, live on air. It did but feel he like has it, been shown up. He has. He did feel like he was big the mouthpiece for um, Abramovich when he put out that statement. It was unfortunate. He, 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 did, said, get some, uh, he did get some abuse for that on Twitter. I he did. He did. And I, and I do not uh, um, approve of abuse on Twitter at all, but it was ludicrous to say that um, Abramovich is not, is not involved in politics and is not involved with Putin when he famously is an acquaintance at the very least, if not, you know, confidant of Putin and um, and, uh, and an oligarch as well. But anyway, I'm just saying that in passing. And he was the one who famously slagged said of Tommy Asu. We don't know whether he's a fullback or a centre back or whatever. And everyone was like jumped on him then. So Arsenal fans do not hold him. I think it's safe to say in the greatest of esteem. But that's just a, a passing thing. Have we all given our prediction now of the game? More importantly, yes. Well. In that case, all there was to do is to wrap up and say thank you very much as ever to Jim East Lower. Thank you. Thank you. And to Josh, uh, as ever, we'll be back um, hopefully after a triumphant victory against Watford this time next week. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.